Lone Star 187 is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case file 41, The Bathtub Killer. Hey. Hello, we're back again. We back. back. We back. We're we back, back. Back. Back again. I'm Carrie. And I'm Brittany. And, and we're, we're Lone Star 187. Back for another episode. Episode. Did y'all miss us? We Did miss, you? We, we miss you. them. We always miss them, though. We do. We have good, good, faithful, solid listeners. We do. We do. We have the best. So, ask me the question. Where are we this week? This week, we are in Arlington, Texas. Oh, not too far, not too not far. Not too far, this is where Jerry World is, this is where the um, Texas Rangers Stadium is. See, like when you think of Arlington, you think of sports, right? I'm fat, so you know what I think of? The Arlington Steakhouse <laughs> that we used we to used go to. We eat there a lot. Yeah. All the time. I mean, I think of that place too, but I usually think of sports concerts and alcohol oh definitely concerts yeah 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 and monster jam Mm-hmm. so a lot of good times we've had in arnollington but back in september of 1996 not so good to live in the arlington area again we're in the summer yep Fucking dog days summer. of summer in texas texans have had it in september yeah like we've had it yeah, and we've had this conversation too. Like yep. I think the last one was also around September, mm-hmm. August, and we've said it's it's more hot than like June or July. Mm-hmm. Like at this point, we are fucking done with summer. We're ready for a cool breeze, and we don't want any more of the hundred and five degree nope. days. No. So there is a guy that is going back to his apartment. His name is Tang Ku. Mm-hmm. Um, he is going, this is his fiance's apartment. Okay. Right. They live together. Well, she lives there and he stays there a lot. Right. That's a, mm-hmm. her fiance. So he goes up to the apartment to open the door, but it's locked like the deadbolt's locked. So he can't get in. So he's like, shit. So he leaves, goes to smoke a cigarette, whatever, comes back. It was still locked. So he does this several times. The third time that he comes back. The door's up open. So he goes in thinking, hey, I'm going to, you know, be able to talk to my fiance. Well, he finds her naked, face down in their bathtub. She was hogtied. Oh, my God. So he calls 911 and the cops get there. And, of course, he's their first suspect because it's usually the boyfriend Mm -hmm. or the fiance. Well, based on everything that they saw there, they ruled him out pretty quickly. Um, so what they figured is that somebody came into her apartment. Mm -hmm. There was no sign of forced entry. So either she knew them or he'd been staking the place out. But anyway, they theorized that whenever Tang was going out and smoking and taking breaks, that she was actually in there being murdered. And whenever he went back the third or fourth time and the door was unlocked, the murderer had just left. And they could have, like, walked past him while he was smoking it's and not even known it. Not even known. <sighs> Sickening. Because it's, it's an apartment complex, right? So there's people yeah. coming and going all well, the time. And if you're not on the lookout for that, like, you're just smoking a cigarette, like, oh, I wish she would finish doing whatever yeah, she's doing. Like, because, on, like, hopefully she'll wake up or whatever she's doing. Yeah. She knows I'm going to be home, you know? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, at least he was nearby. Yeah. And found her quick. Yeah. Yeah. So she didn't. So her name was Christine, Christine Vu. And she was the daughter of Vietnamese immigrants. Um, She had three sisters and one brother. She earned a Bachelor of Science degree in education in 93 from Texas Tech. Yeah. Get your guns up. Uh, She was a third grade teacher at Morton Elementary School there in Arlington. She was planning to pursue a master's degree at UT Arlington. And her goal was to be a high school principal. She was very caring and dedicated, a really good teacher, and all of her students loved her a lot. She was very quiet, private, and shy, and um, they had her funeral in Amarillo. Okay? So that was in September of 96. So now let's fast forward to Christmas Eve, 1996. Norman and Brenda Norwood became very worried about their 22-year-old niece, Wendy Prescott, when she failed to show up for a shopping trip they had planned with Wendy and her sister. Mm -hmm. Uh, So around 11 p.m., her uncle Norman went to her apartment, went to Wendy's apartment, using the spare key that belonged to Wendy's sister. So he went to unlock the door, but the door was unlocked. Mm -hmm. The apartment didn't look disrupted, and there was still a a still bar that her aunt had given her for protection that was standing up behind the door. The name of the apartment complex was called the Pear Tree Apartments. Um, And now I did some research. Thank you, Reddit. The name of the apartment complex, it's still there, is called Sutter Creek. Hmm. So that sounds a little familiar to me. But anyway, and it's on Plum Street. He went inside only to find her naked body lying face down in a partially filled bathtub. Just like the previous girl, her hands and feet were tied with duct tape. And the duct tape went from her neck down behind her back to her hands and feet. So she was also hogtied. A downstairs neighbor said he heard thumping noises about 30 minutes before they found her body, which was at 1220 a.m. Detectives said that Prescott had filed a harassment report with the police in May, saying she received phone calls from a man she knew. um, And in the report, it was described as non-threatening and very vague. And then after she contacted the police, she had no further contact with this other person. The police didn't release that person's name or any information about him, but they didn't believe he was a suspect. Hmm. They, I guess they interviewed him and um, dismissed him. I guess he had an alibi or whatever. So mm-hmm. anyway, so the detectives get there and they're gathering evidence. They find DNA on Wendy and they find fingerprints in the dust on her nightstand. So they gather all that and tuck it away. And they did a sexual assault examination, and they found sperm. So that was um, what? What is it about it? I don't know. Like, what is it about? It pisses me off so bad that I just—I mean, I know we'll never understand because we're not like that. No. And like to some degree, to some degree, you want some roughness, but not like kill me roughage, obviously. But like, I just don't understand. Like, I don't know why hurting someone. Well, it's not really about, I think it's just about, we have something that they want and whether or not we are ready to give it up, they're going to take it. That's just what but, people uh, like But them like are. them fighting is what gets them off. So why, like, if you're doing something to me that I don't like, why, why does that, I don't like, know. what about that is arousing? I just. I, I don't think we'll ever understand it because like you said, we're, our mind don't, our minds don't work that way. 
and I, I, I don't get it either. It's sick and twisted, and I, I just don't know. It makes my, it makes me nauseous, actually. Well, and, and some men wonder why women are afraid of getting in sexual situations with men that they don't know that well, and that's exactly why. Mm-hmm. Because how do I know when that switch is flipped that that's what you're into, and then I'm in a really bad situation because I'm a woman, mm-hmm. and now you're going to overpower me, and you might take what you want that I don't want, but I don't want to die, so then I just what deal with it because i don't want to die you know that's just awful i just don't i hate when it has when it all revolves around sex wendy's family saw her last saw her the night before when she told them she was at their house and she said i'm gonna go home and go to sleep but i'll call my sister tomorrow morning and we'll go shopping so she didn't show up and that's that's how that happened but she was also a college student she was working as a teacher's aide for second grade students, so now we have a couple of commonalities. They mm-hmm. live in the same apartment complex, not very far from each other. Mm-hmm. They're both teachers, and they both go to, to UT Arlington. Okay, so we've got some commonality there. Yep. Um, she was charismatic and always smiled. She lived in Arlington for one year after relocating from Mansfield, Texas, which is where her aunt and uncle and sister lived. And did they? Did the girls? Do you know? Did they look similar? Uh, they did look similar. Okay. They, so this guy definitely had a type. Okay. Um, and there was never any confirmation that the two ladies knew each other, mm-hmm. which seems like they should, but there was no, never any proof that they knew each other. Well, and it's kind of impossible to know if they knew each other because you'd have to ask them. Well, no, or the families or the, the friends, like they could have had mutual friends that, I mean, it's not impossible, but it's likely. Because like there are people like that you skated with. That you know, but we never met. No, but I mean, if you go talk to other people I skate with, they would be able to tell you if that's that true. person was in my circle or not. Right? Yeah, that's true. Or yeah. even like, just like... Or you could look at my Facebook. I know this is different because this is in the, the like... But I mean, I could see like, maybe they worked in the same hallway or maybe yeah. they passed each other every day or something. You know, they could have been acquaintances. Yeah. Or went to the same coffee shop, you know? Potentially. I mean, they lived in the same apartment complex, mm-hmm. not, so they could have even passed each other. She was a member of the Bethlehem Baptist Church in Mansfield. Her mother, here's another really sad thing about Wendy. This is why they talk about her aunt and uncle and her sister and not her mom. Her her mom was murdered in June of 1977 in Fort Worth, and the murder was never solved. So a mom and daughter were both murdered within, what, 20 years of each other? (gasps) Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, her, her murder... The mother's murder was never solved. So now there's all of this uneasiness in this apartment complex because this has happened within, so one in September, one on Christmas Christmas Day, like December 25th, 1986. So you've got all this. They're both young women. Uh, One of them is engaged. The other single, living in an apartment, both young, both teachers. Um, So the women of the apartment complex started getting really afraid and they started, people, women started moving out detectives say that it bothered them i mean they understood why the women were afraid and why they were moving out but what they didn't like about it is that it could easily camouflage their suspect moving out as well like Mm -hmm. if a lot of people are moving out seeing a guy move out isn't going to be suspicious to Mm -hmm. them because a lot of people are doing it and who's to say that he didn't have a girlfriend exactly and he could use the excuse of well my girlfriend's nervous exactly Mm -hmm. um and so at this point everybody everybody knows that the same person killed both of these girls there's mm-hmm. too many commonalities the fact that there was the door was left unlocked 
There's no, nothing was disturbed. He just did what he did. And to just them. the nature of the crime is the same. Yeah, and you know how, how horrific it had to be for those women. What they had to go through. They start getting well. First of all, they run the fingerprints through APHIS, right? Mm-hmm. No hits. And the the detectives were saying that the crime scenes were absolutely horrific, brutal, and violent, and it's a worst nightmare for anyone confronted with that kind of attack. The detective, his name was Tommy, or his name is Tommy Lenore, recalled, I don't like to think what those ladies went through. No. So they started getting blood samples from almost everybody in the apartment complex that they could. So were they just drowned in the bathtub? They were partially drowned. Like they were, uh, uh, it goes in more detail later on, but they were primarily strangled and they were primarily strangled, but also partially drowned. So they were partially alive when they... Yeah. So the people that were at the apartment complex that lived there started calling these two detectives vampires because they were always going around asking for people's blood samples. <laughs> so they called them vampires. Oh, so let me cite my sources. I got this from a an episode of Cold Case Files. Uh, I, don't know, I think it was called Deja Vu was the name of the episode. And then a lot of it I got from the newspaper, the newspaper um, archive. Well, newspapers.com. The DNA samples of blood are pouring in the crime lab and they're going through each one meticulously every time, every time, every time. No match after no match after no match. So 18 months later, DNA clears over 100 people and then another 200 people are cleared through their alibis or elimination by fingerprints. The detectives are like, you know, we, we've got to get a hit. Like as many people as we've tried, we just have to keep doing it. Um, so they just keep trying and keep trying. Still nothing. So at this point, that's when the, the news start calling this guy the bathtub killer. That's mm-hmm. when he, he got that nickname. But all of a sudden, no more bodies are found. Like It's like he just, all of a sudden, he stopped, which is weird, right? Mm-hmm. So the detectives are freaking out because they're like, well, you know, it's just like waiting, waiting for that call. Mm-hmm. And so you worry, like, every time the phone rings, is it another one? And then when you don't hear about it, you think, is it happened and I just don't know about it yet? Yeah. Is there some girl somewhere struggling right now and I can't do a damn thing mm-hmm. about it. Okay. And as much as you don't want that phone call, you need that phone call. Exactly. And that that's the that's what they were saying in that episode that that's the dilemma that they're in. Like they want it, but they don't, mm-hmm. you know? So fast forward to February 23rd of 1999. Okay. So 3 years down the road. So I haven't caught him, but no more bodies have come up, okay? Okay. So there is a detective who um Parole, uh, patrols the uh, UT Arlington campus. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he gets a call really early in the morning. His name is Detective Robinson. He gets a call really early in the morning of a sexual assault report on the at the Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority house. So he gets there. And the victim was beaten bad. Like part of her face was swollen. One one of her eyes was completely swollen shut. And her name is uh, Kima Benson. She said, I was sound asleep, and I, I felt this overwhelming feeling of dread. Like, she just felt dread. So she woke up and found a strange man in her bedroom. He told her, do what I say, and I won't kill you, and then put a gun to her head. She said, the first thing I could think of, well, so he told her, he made her perform oral sex on him. So she's thinking, I'm going to bite him. So she fucking bites him. Yes, girl. She bites him hard. Yes, girl. But that pissed him off. So of course. that's when he started beating the shit out of her. Uh, so when he finally leaves, she's naked and bloody and bruised and in complete shock. 
Um, so they do a rape kit examination and they get semen. Uh, she gives them a physical description of, of the, the attacker and they distribute the description all over the campus and the story hits the news. A couple days later, the Arlington PD gets a call from a young woman and she's like, look, I'm one of the people that last saw Wendy alive. I'm one of her best friends. Um, and I need you to know that I think the person that did this to my friend Wendy is the same person that just raped this girl at, oh the, at the sorority house. And he was like, well, why do you say that? And she says, well, that should have been me. Not only the, the girl at the sorority house. Uh, not only should it have been me, that's the same person that killed Wendy. So she gives Detective Lenore the name of the guy that she thinks did it. This guy's her ex-boyfriend and was also stalking her because she lived at that sorority house and slept in the room where this girl was sleeping. Oh my God. So that's why she thinks it was her ex-boyfriend because he was stalking her. And when she found out he was stalking her, she moved out and she had just moved. But he, and he wouldn't have noticed that it wasn't his ex-girlfriend? So Lenore reached out to the detectives at work that were working the Christina, Christine Vu and Wendy Prescott case and said, hey, can we have some of your DNA samples? We have someone we want to compare it against. Sure. So, of course, the DNA from the girl that bit his penis, her, the DNA, the, the semen that they got from her matches the semen from Wendy and Christine Vu. Okay. But they go and track down the girl's ex-boyfriend and it's not a match. So it wasn't the girl's boyfriend, ex-boyfriend stalker that she thought, but they do know now that the, the guy that the they same. now have a physical description of mm -hmm. is the same guy that killed Christine Vu and Wendy Prescott. Oh, damn. And this girl, like, now, <laughs> oh my gosh. So, it doesn't seem like he's not scared to get caught. And clearly he's evolving, right? Mm -hmm. Getting more brave. And where's he been the last three years? Okay, so... They pair their list down. So they decide, okay, look, we have all of the people that we've already tested that lived in the apartment complex. This guy had to live there. So now that we have a physical description, let's taper down the list even more. So they go through and let, you know, if it doesn't match the physical description that she gave, they remove him. So they're able to get down the list by two thirds. They cut it down. Um, so her description is he's an African-American male in his 20s. And then she told him also now he's going to have like a, he's going to have an injury to his penis, which is super funny. Shima Simone Benson is a freelance journalist from West Hollywood, California. She was a contestant on Big Brother 11. Oh, nice. And actually tells her story, I think, on one of the episodes. I tried to find it, but I, I didn't spend a whole lot of time on it. Okay, so now they decide, all right, so let's put out an APB on this guy. We have enough of a description. Mm -hmm. We're going to, and so one of the identifying features is, you know, that you can't deny is a little, little injury to your badang badang. Yeah, your Johnson. Yeah. So once they tell. Um, yes, yeah, so there's an APB. Penis may be defective. Okay, so. So how does that conversation go? Excuse me, sir. Can you drop your drawers, please? That's pretty much how I. I need to go look for teeth marks. Yeah. So they put out an APB, but they don't really get anything after that. So we're to the summer of 99 and they're out of leads. They're, they don't really, they have a physical description, but they still don't have any matches. They can't match this DNA to anybody. Mm -hmm. So, um, and they know the thing about it is they keep saying they're like, the asshole is on this list. We know his name is on this list. Mm -hmm. We just have to go through it again. 
And now he knows that he's on the radar. Like yes, like he's she's still alive. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm sure he watches the news. Maybe he yeah. doesn't. I don't know. So he knows I'm about to get caught. Right. Yeah. So fast forward to August of 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, Sergeant Gary Crone. He's one of those guys that keeps up with technology. So there is a new version of Aphis that's I Aphis. So now you're, and this was in 2000. So this software was able, you're able to rotate the fingerprints 360 degrees. And it also would detect points of comparison electronically that you couldn't do. That was hard to do with your, just by yourself. So he remembered, okay, we have this, this case, Wendy Prescott and Christine Vu, and we also had some really good DNA evidence and fingerprints. So let's run this through this IAFIS mm-hmm. and see what happens. Two weeks after he submits it to the FBI, bam, they get a hit. Yes. This asshole's name was Dell Devin Chenette. So they so they know it's a match to Christine Vu because that's what they sent to the lab to the mm-hmm. lab. So then they're like, okay, let's try Wendy Prescott. Okay. So it matches both of them. So they have their they have their man. So they then they say, okay, we have his name. Let's check our list. That motherfucker was number 17 on their paper. <sighs> so he was, they were right, he was on there. But there was nothing significant about him that stood out or they mm-hmm. would have had him in way before. But he did live there during, at the time that Christine Vu was murdered. But he had no criminal record. Um, the reason his prints were added to the IAFIS IAFIS um, was because of a burglary arrest. Um, so they track him down and they bring him in for questioning. He has no explanation for why his prints are in either apartment, and he does not want his mouth to be swabbed for DNA, and he does not want to take his pants off. Okay, guys want to show their penises anytime anybody asks. So that's suspicious. Right, it is. Full like, sus to me. That's okay, because we'll just get a court order and you'll have to do it anyway, which is yeah. what they did. You're acting a little bit sus there, So Dale. they got that shit anyway. Um, and of course, when they saw the, you know, his injury, they knew they knew it was him. His, his defects? <laughs> so they arrested him. So his he defects? Fine. <laughs> oh yeah that's a good one but a bunch it's defects <laughs> so they arrested that asshole good i mean it was it was i hope when he pees it comes out it the was top in 2000 the but it doesn't matter they still arrested him it took several years i don't really i didn't really want to go too much into all of this trial because i don't really give a shit yeah. you know so ultimately in 2003 um, in January of 2003, they finally convict him of murder of Winnie Prescott. And he was accused of five other rapes and accused of the murder of Christine Vu. And he got the death penalty, but they didn't try him. They could only convict him on Winnie Prescott's. I don't know why, but that's kind of how that usually works. Like one for sure that they can tie him to. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, because maybe I should have dug into the well, case a little more. And it seems like they do that. In the event that one doesn't stick, they can try for the other. That's Correct. right, because we've, we've done that many times. Mm-hmm. Um, then he doesn't get off scot-free. Right. And so in December of 2003, he's at this point, he's only 29. So he was young when he did this shit. And can you imagine where he would be if he was still out there, what he would have done? Mm-mm. This guy was not going to stop, clearly. Um, so he was sentenced to lethal injection 
for the rape and strangulation of Wendy Prescott. They also linked him to a series of other brutal assaults. So we're going to go down the list of the other things that his DNA matched on. Oh you ready? Gosh. Okay. September of 98, uh, Jolene Howard was raped in her children's bedroom <gasps> by an intruder who threatened a shootout involving them if she called the police before he got away. DNA evidence collected from the investigation of that sexual assault matched his. October 1998, which is just a, not even a month later, Keisha Ricks was raped in her apartment by an intruder who threatened to kill her kill her and her parents if she called the police. To prove he knew where her parents lived, he correctly recited their address. DNA evidence collected from that investigation also matched his DNA. December of 98. God. Cicely Stinson was asleep with her two-year-old son in her bed. She awoke to the sight of an intruder sitting on the edge of her bed with her son no longer in it. When she began screaming, he told her he would hurt her and the little boy if she continued. At one point during the sexual assault, she hit him and ran into the bedroom with her son, locked the door, and tried to call the police, but the phone was not working. The intruder broke through the door, ordered her to put, put down her crying child. She convinced him to let her get her son some milk, at which time she ran toward the front door where they struggled. When her son started to hit the intruder on the leg, he loosened his grip around Stinson's neck, at which point she was able to get free, open the door, and scream. Uh, and then he ran away. But the DNA collected from that investigation also matched his DNA. February of 89. No, I'm sorry. February of 99. <laughs> February 23rd. This is the Shima Benson. Mm -hmm. So we already know about that one. And then October of 99. So this guy did not stop. Now, so the police thought that he stopped because they didn't find any more women dead in the bathtub. But clearly, as you see, this guy did not stop. He just didn't kill them. Um, Adrian Fields awoke to an intruder who jumped on her bed, covered her mouth with his hand, and put a pistol to her back. He raped her. DNA collected from that also matched his DNA. The state also introduced that while he was in jail awaiting trial... The guards found a concealed uh, triangular piece of plexiglass that could have been used as a weapon. Uh, and then they uh, also introduced evidence from the burglary conviction from 1999. Uh, various people uh, testified on his behalf. I don't see how you could do that. But they, the jury convicted him, sentenced to first-degree murder for Wendy Prescott's killing. Um, and he was charged with Boo's murder, but not tried. Mm -hmm. Um, February 10th, 2009. This is uh, his last statement right before he gets executed. Is the mic on? My only statement is that no cases have ever tried have been error-free. Those are my words. No cases are error-free. You may proceed, warden. Nine minutes later, he was pronounced dead. Doesn't make any fucking sense. And Greg Miller, who was the uh, Tarrant County DA who prosecuted Chanette, said... He personifies evil. He said, I've been doing this for 35 or 36 years. I've had others who have killed and done bad things. But he's at the top of the list. The You know how the reporters try to go talk to people when mm -hmm. they're on death row? He wouldn't talk to them at all. He would. The only thing he said was what he said the day of his execution. Um, they also said that he, they called him, he said, 
this is the DA still. He said, Dale Chanette is what we call criminally sophisticated. He stalked his victims and planned his actions. Mm -hmm. And even when the girl, uh, Shima Benson, he raped at the in the sorority house, mm -hmm. she tried to call 911, but the lines were dead. So that was his MO. He stalked the people that he was going to hurt. He cut the phone line so they couldn't get help. So he very meticulously planned the shit he was doing. But then he leaves his shit behind. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm no, not no, saying. No. no, you're right. He's. I mean. So that means he do, he doesn't want to get caught, but he is so he is so intent on fulfilling that the rape that he will do it at, at all costs. And then once it's finished, he just wants to he get just out. Leaves. He just leaves. As long as, long as like he, he can. Just, and clearly, he just smoothly walks out. Like he doesn't lock the door. He doesn't check for anything. Like, he left his fingerprints and semen and everything. Yeah. Okay, so February of 2015, Adrian Fields, which I know you, like, we read mm -hmm. about her. She was one of the people that he raped. So they interview her. And so this is, what, five years after his execution? It, they interview her. And she says she remembers watching the news about the murders of Christine Vu and Wendy Prescott. And when she was watching the news about it, she had a strange feeling wash over her. It was so creepy. She said, when I saw it on TV, I just had this crazy feeling like I am next. I just knew it. I can't explain it. Feeling like this, she decided to move from Arlington to Grand Prairie. I told my friends, I'm moving because he's going to get me next. I just had this crazy feeling he was going to get me. So on October 26, 1999, at 3 a.m., her worst nightmare came to life. She heard a noise that she explained like swish, swish, swish. Um, she said she turned over slowly and saw a guy with a stocking on his head running towards her. At that time, she didn't realize it was the same guy that killed Boone Prescott. She said he jumped on her bed, covered up her mouth, and put a gun to her back and said, <clears throat> Do you feel that? Oh, my God. This is shit of nightmares. Yeah. To which she said, yes. He said, if you keep screaming, I'm going to hurt you. She didn't know him, but he knew her. She said he knew her name and she thought, oh my God, how does this guy know me? Police believed he stalked his victims after seeing them at a nightclub where he was a bouncer. Oh my gosh. There's the commonality right there. I wonder if these other two women were there. Um, he raped Fields for two hours. She said she remembered, he said, the devil keeps making me do it. He also told her, you're not like the others. That's when she realized that he had done this before. Um, as he was getting ready to leave, she said, oh my God, you have done this before. He stopped, pushed her in the back of the, pushed the back of her head down to the floor. She started praying, thinking I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. So she started praying out loud. Oh Lord, please forgive me of all my sins. Oh my if God. I have to die tonight. I just want to go to heaven. Don't let my life have to end. Remarkably, he walked out of her apartment and never looked back. Um, she said she didn't know what made him change or what changed his <clears throat> changed his mind to change his heart to give her another chance at life. So police matched the DNA from her apartment to the DNA from Boone Prescott's. Um, Field said she lost all sense of security and that she would wake up all night afraid he would come back. On the inside, I was a wreck. I was up checking the window, checking the door, go upstairs, go downstairs, so how check did the he... back, make sure the alarm is set, all that over and over again. How was he able to get in into these houses without forced entry? I don't know how 
I don't know how she got into this. I don't know. It seems like maybe people left their shit unlocked. Like, I, or maybe he stole their key and got a copy, or maybe he just knew how to break into locks. I don't know, but none of them, because even if you break in, there, there's, there's going to be, be sign yeah. of fourth century. Not, I, I don't know. I, that's a great question. But I mean, unless he... if Christine Vu's fiance expected to just walk into the door and it's locked and he's not expecting that and he didn't have a spare key then well maybe the he expected the door to be locked but not the deadbolt to be locked but he didn't have a key i don't know that's a good question and i actually thought of that too like how are these women just leaving their shit unlocked like i'm not saying that they deserve what they got by any means no. whatsoever no 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 No, but maybe seeing forced but, entry would trigger them well, that there and, was definitely an intruder versus well, somebody that they knew and that's what the cops even said like early on I, I don't know if i read it or not but they did say that in the the um episode of the cold case files they were like if it's forced entry there's some kind of evidence mm-hmm. left behind by that so maybe he stalked them so much that he knew whether or not they left him. And maybe that was why it was just those few. Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't leave their door. Maybe they did leave the door unlocked. Even if it was just for five minutes, it it's an opportunity. To get in, yeah. And if he watches and knows your patterns clearly like he did, he knew, knows you didn't lock it. Or, or maybe you like went down to check your mail and you came back in. And when you're walking back in, he just follows you in. Like, mm-hmm. you don't, it could yeah. be any of that, right? Yeah. She said she was finally at peace when she got the call in September of 2000 say they caught him. She said, I remember thinking, I can finally sneak sleep now. <clears throat> Ironically, this is the thing also that, like, all of this gives me chills. But she said the date, his execution date, February 10th, is also her birthday. <gasps> wow. She said, the day of my birth, he lost his life. So it's time for me to live again. Mm. She'd stayed quiet for nearly two decades, suffering through depression, divorce, and self-doubt. She said, I was dealing with the fact that they got killed and I lived. And why, why did that bother me so much to know that they died and I lived because I felt so unworthy to be living? She'd started ministering and telling her story and she even launched a website to empower women. And she has one message. You don't have to feel like you were alone and you don't have to feel like life is over because things happen to you. She hopes her story will help others overcome their fears and find peace in surviving their pain. Wow. That's so gruesome. I mean, you, like, when you think about the places that you feel safe, like, my home is my safe, when my home, mom's home, you just feel safe, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's just a feeling of, I can walk freely through this place and not worry about who's behind me or anything, right? Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine to be in the one place that you feel safe then becomes the scariest place. Or, right? and, and not to take away from anything that happened to Christine Vu or Wendy Prescott or any of the other women, but this girl knew she was, she knew she was next and she even moved to get away from it and he still found her. So how crazy foreshadowing is that like Mm -hmm. you know like Mm -hmm. when you see someone on the news and you know like what that's got to be so fucking scary like Mm -hmm. i can't imagine what that must be like and then it actually happens Mm -hmm. so even before it happened to her she was already a victim of her of the fear and then it happened Mm -hmm. so like now does that mean if she hadn't moved would she have been okay like did he actually follow her like what led him to i mean because you said like i I mean i said 
Grand, pra- Grand Prairie is where they, like, they reached out to, they put out an APB out. Mm-hmm. And shortly after that is when they caught him. But still, like, she moved during all that, and it still happened to her. It's crazy. So, I just think it's, it just, people he don't... was a evil, evil, <clears throat> evil piece of shit person. And You have to listen to your gut. If your gut tells you, mm-hmm. and you can't shake it, it's not your mind. It's your gut. That is so scary. I, I feel so bad for, I, I obviously the victims, but the women that didn't, the women that survived the rape, like I don't, I just don't know that I could ever recover from it because I think, I, I feel like I would kill them. I feel like I would not let them leave. I would let them do whatever they want to do. And then I would just go off. And I, maybe that's just I, wishful thinking on my yeah. part. It's easy for me to say what I think. Yeah. Because thank God I've not ever been in that situation. But I just feel like I would have so much rage that I just couldn't get past it. I don't think I'd be able to participate. Like, I think I would be, I'd be like, it's, if my, if my kids were here, I would do whatever they said. Oh, fair Hands enough. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I was by myself, I would fight like hell. Yeah. Like, I, why should I give you what you're asking for? Like, you came in my it's home and you were demanding something that doesn't belong to you, nor do you have are you privileged to have it? Mm-hmm. And then you want to steal it from me mm-hmm. and take and, a piece of me with you. And you've done enough. You know me well enough to know who my family is and where they live. So now you've taken away all of my, like I have nothing. I have, I have nothing, no security because you yeah. know everything about my life. You know where my family lives. I can't go there. Right. So if my I, kids in the other room, my kids right here on the bed. Right. Like and my like kids if, traumatized. By if I let too. you leave, I'm going to wonder every day if you're going to come finish the job. And if I, if I, if I pass away, if you kill me, then you're going to live and my family's going to live without me knowing what you did to me. Like, that's just, I don't understand. I don't, don't it's awful. I know. They should have cut, she should have bit his penis off. Hey. She tried. I give her kudos. She tried. Exactly. Good for her. She was like, not today, asshole. Yeah. I mean, she, she. But at least she was smart enough to wait till she got some DNA. You know? Yeah. Because if you do it right away, you may not get any DNA. Yeah. So that's so sad. That's a good one. I never heard that story. Me neither. And that's the thing is like, it's crazy how horrific the crimes were and how traumatic it was for the victims and even the people, like all victims, the Mm -hmm. ones that passed away and the ones that had to survive it. Um, And how scared the entire apartment complex was. Like people were moving out. People were like, even the cops are saying, lock your doors. If you're single, find a buddy. Don't walk alone. Be mm-hmm. aware of your surroundings. Like, people were, women were fear, fearful, right? Which is sad that our gender has to go through that. Mm-hmm. Like, he stopped drowning them. Like, what What made him change? He just decided. I think there was too, mo- too much publicity with on the those. murders. Yeah. I mean, and they, and they because have... the other ones, they didn't link him to those until after. Right. Because then it's just an intruder. It in that, yeah. It's just an intruder that is African American, and this is kind of his description. But they have no other leads, right? But and then they're like, "Oh, it's just another rape case." Unfortunately, there's another sucks. rape case. But when you have a murder case, they have to solve it because yeah. now the community is in uproar. Nobody heard about those rapes. Yeah, because you saw that those hap- those rapes happened. After he stopped killing, mm-hmm. quote unquote, but before they linked him, they linked his DNA to Christina, mm-hmm. Christine Liu and Wendy Prescott. 
Okay. I so hope yeah, he dies of so gonorrhea and rots in hell. <laughs> Lace it out. Lace it out. <laughs> well, kudos to any woman that has survived that. Yep. I don't know. Mucho, yeah. mucho respect. I mean, if we can help you in any way, let us know. Yep. So rest in peace, Christine Vu and Wendy Prescott. And all of those other women that had to survive that. You're my hero. Yeah. Because every day it. has to be a struggle. Every, every day. day. Good job, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> All right. I All think right. that's a wrap. It's a wrap. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye, y'all.